Psychology in Seattle. So, Berto, have you heard of Anna Delvey, the con artist from New York City? I have. Um, actually, I had heard about her before, and then I forgot about her. And then you brought her up, and I was like, uh, what? Then I looked it up. I'm like, all right, this gal. <laughs> so a lot of listeners, patrons, have been asking us to talk about Anna. Uh, I think particularly YouTube listeners are wanting us to talk about Anna because she is quite a YouTube yeah. internet sensation these days. So I thought we would get into it. What do you say? Let's do it. This is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Honda. I'm a therapist, a professor, and someone who probably would be conned because I'm not very suspicious of people. Who are you, Berto? My name is Humberto Castaneda, and I'm an ex-member of the New York Glitterati. So, so that's a thing, Glitterati? Of course. Did you just make that up? No, dude. If, you, if you're not in it, though, it's kind of like Fight Club. Uh, so, cause that's a cool word. If that isn't a word, that should be a word. It's totally a word. Oh, it is a word. Yeah. So other people have said it. I'm sure. Uh, people are reacting to her, Anna Delvey, the same way they reacted to Elizabeth Holmes from Theranos right. and Billy McFarlane from the Fire, Fire. Festival. And ah. since you and I have done some mini deep dives on both Elizabeth Holmes and Billy McFarlane, I think that's why people are like, you got to do Anna Delvey to... You know, the the trio of recent con artists. So Anna, as a person, just as like her media presence, the pictures of her, videos of her, interviews of her, how, how does she come across to you? Because I think that's a major component yeah. of, of of why she is interesting to the Internet. So if I, yeah, like if I hadn't known um, the backstory and if I were just seeing an out-of-context conversation with her, or like, let's say I met her at a bar somewhere, um, I certainly would not automatically imagine that she's like some billionaire. But I would imagine like, oh, okay, she likes being in the scene. Like, she's she likes cool things or whatever. Um, and I don't know that I would... I don't know that I would immediately know, oh, wait, something's wrong with her. <laughs> like, because... Well, how do you think she comes across to uh, the average American when when they look right. at her and they see her walk into a place? Well, this is what I'm saying is like, uh, as for example, in contrast to Elizabeth Holmes, right? Like, there's something odd about her right off the bat, uh, Holmes. You know, whereas in this case, I think she looks sort of like a normal person, well, young you know? young yeah, woman, a normal young woman, fashionable. Yeah, yeah. So. If you haven't seen pictures of Anna Delvey, I recommend looking up because because I think that it's an uh, important part of the story. I think similar to Elizabeth Holmes. Um, obviously, our society is obsessed with the way women look, but also the, Elizabeth Holmes and Anna Delvey both have particular attractive looks to them, right? Right, but I would say like Anna Delvey doesn't look like you know, I hate to say this, but I don't imagine she'd be like the hottest one at the party. She's just there. She's good looking. She's nice. Um, but compared to like business people in a boardroom. Sure, sure, sure. It's more a little, you know. Like, but, if, you, like if you walked into a boardroom and you yeah. saw her, that would be something different, right? Yeah, but, but honestly, a lot of the pictures she's in, the girl next to her is usually hotter. <laughs> and, but there is a difference with Elizabeth Holmes, which is like, you know, 
She also doesn't wear weird clothes.、Uh, I'm saying Elizabeth does. You know, she wears like the Steve Jobs looking kind of clothing, and she's got that really intense no blink stare and things like that. You don't get that from from this gal. Oh, okay.、Anna. You get like she's wearing the kind of clothes you would expect her to be wearing at out in out in the scene. Well, but particularly fashionable. Sure, but like if you're in that scene, that's what you wear. Yeah, it wouldn't stand out. It wouldn't be like what the hell is she doing?、You、yeah,、know? but if she were walking through the mall. Or in Seattle, in particular,、mm-hmm. or walked into a restaurant in Seattle. I think she would stick out in terms of her fashion,、mm. um, not in terms of the way she looks per se. But I, I think she she dresses particularly fashionable. Now,、okay. if you're on Capitol Hill, she probably blends <laughs> in more. You know, anyway. So she comes across as what I would call fashionable, and she comes across as a petite schoolgirl. Like, it, you know, I hate to put it in this context, but. If she were in Japanese anime or something, like she she would fit well in a Japanese anime cartoon. It would be pretty easy to transport her, if you know what I'm saying.、Sure. That, that sort of cute girl, schoolgirl, girl next door kind of、sure. look in anime that they have a lot. You know what yeah, I mean?、Yeah. So she she has a very kind of cutesy look to her. I think that's a part of it because.、Yeah. Uh, When we'll get into this, culture has a lot a lot to do with why we're even paying attention to this woman. Because it's not like she's the only con artist of yeah. 2019. Right, There are、right. millions of con artists. So、uh, why is the internet so obsessed with this particular con artist? You know. Anyway, so her story, just in a nutshell, for people who don't know, Anna Delvey is a con artist. She weaseled her way into the rich people scene in Manhattan. Manhattan, right? Yep. And she tricked banks and fancy hotels and rich people into thinking she was rich and into giving her money. And now she's going to prison. She's in prison, but not for long. She, you know, something like four years or something. And then she might be eligible for、uh, release. And she's got a lot of years. She's in her twenties, so she's got a lot of years left for. Newsworthy stories to happen. You know, I don't like with Elizabeth Holmes and Bill and McFarland. We're probably going to hear more about them in the future, right? right. <laughs> and so this story is so compelling to the internet that did you know they're going to make TV shows and documentaries? That I are, heard they're working on a, maybe a Netflix thing, right?、Uh, right. So there's、uh, Jennifer Lawrence and Margot Robbie, Robbie, Margot Robbie, or Robbie. I never know, but I think it's, I know I think it's Robbie. <laughs> Both of them are、uh, reportedly interested in playing her because they look vaguely like her. Oh my gosh! You got to be kidding me! That see, this is what I'm talking about: appropriation from one culture to the next. She should be Russian. Whoever plays her should be Russian.、Uh, Shonda Rhimes acquired the rights to do a Netflix series, not a not a but an actual TV series. I mean, a series about Anna Delvey. I, I does that surprise you at all? That does surprise me. Because how are you gonna? One to me, I don't understand how you're going to make one movie. Yeah, it seems it. like a 45 minute documentary. Yeah, a documentary I could get, but、yeah. like a a drama, right? It doesn't because to me it can't be that interesting of a drama. Now, the one thing I would say is that if they make it into a series, I think it's possible if to make it interesting if they didn't make it about Anna Delvey but made it about. Did you read that article? I think it was in the Times or it was a very long article where this. They basically focused on this one woman who worked at a hotel. 
Did you read that article? I don't think so. It's really long, detailed. So there's one woman who worked at a hotel who knew Anna Delvey pretty well as she was conning people and and observed Mm -hmm. it firsthand and actually became her friend and would go to dinner with her and blah, blah, blah. And that... From that angle, it's kind of interesting because... You should make it about her and her right, experiences. Yeah. Right. It's sort of like my friend Dahmer right. is mostly about a guy who knew Dahmer right. right, and observed Dahmer. And so I think that that angle could be kind of interesting, but I don't know. Lena Dunham is also working on a project about... What? About Anna Delvey. Yeah. H- HBO is reportedly also in the works of making a show about her. I'm kind of disgusted now. Yeah, I think to me, once we get into this, I don't understand. I don't even understand why people want us to talk about it personally. Right. I mean, not to shoot ourselves in the foot at the beginning of this episode, but again, most of what I'm going to be talking about is why we are so interested. I'm interested, honestly. It's interesting. But well, I'm wh- interested in why, how it's possible that so many people fall for these things all the time. That and why is it just so interesting to us? Because. Like, I didn't like Wolf of Wall Street very much, mm. which was a Scorsese movie, Leonardo DiCaprio, about a real story about right. this guy in the 80s, 90s that scammed a bunch right. of people, the FBI, blah, blah. And that story, that movie, I didn't like either. I really did enjoy that movie, but, you know, I also, I read the book and... um I mean, I think that... <laughs> but that's a similar thing, it's right? It's glorifying the same kind of... Right. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay, so you have a greedy bastard who right. figured out a way to bastardly greed yeah. and then managed to become rich. Yeah. And then, oh, guess what? He spends his money in extravagant ways, right. drugs, prostitution, boats, blah, 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 and then he gets caught. Yeah. To me, I'm just like, why is that interesting? Like... It, it's a it's a tragedy. It's not it's not even interesting on a tragic level to me. It's it's just sad. It's yeah, totally. It's just part of it is that on the way up, things look hilarious and fun, right? But to me, I I have worked with clients on various stages of that. Obviously, not like that fantastical of a story like Wolf yeah. of Wall Street, but stories like that. And I suppose I've had many versions of it myself, you know, just in terms of like, I'm living large. And then the next day, you know, you're hung over, you know? So when I'm watching stuff like that, all I can think is, okay, uh, I know this is played for laughs, but all I see is like when Leonardo DiCaprio and Jonah Hill are super drugged up on uh, barbiturates, I think they're taking. And, Leonardo DiCaprio can't get into his car. He's like crawling. And all I, and everyone in theater is cracking up. And all I can think of is that is a very sad man. If you, if you walked up on that scene and actually saw that man, that drugged up trying to get into his car, it would not be funny. Right. It's not funny. And then you see him actually get in the car and drive you would not, I hope, be laughing at that. You would be mortified. In the theater, people were cracking up. And all right. I could think of was like, it's like watching a rape scene and thinking it's funny. There's nothing funny about a man who is so sad and so traumatized or whatever that he feels like he has to use that amount of drugs. And the sure. drugs don't solve your problems. So I, I definitely agree existentially with you. Um, but it is it is so common. Like, take the movie Hangover, right? Like, what's that movie about? 
this group of people right. for a bachelor party. Get too drunk. And they get so drunk right. that they all black out completely. Hours and hours and hours of activities. Can you imagine like, how hungover you would be the next day? Oh, my gosh. Those those guys right. wouldn't have been able to function the next day. But then, day. The, you know, people that went to see that movie were like, oh, my God, it's hilarious. They can't remember. They grabbed the lion and did this and that. And this. Yeah, I, so funny. Yeah, I think it's because I've worked so closely with addiction that when I, I can't watch things like that and think it's yeah. funny at all because right. it's not funny. It, it and, and, and it's, I think... In our culture, we just decided a long time ago that drugs are funny. Drugs are not funny. Drugs are a thing, but being so wasted right. is sad. I mean, everyone out there, just think of the person you've seen who was so drunk, like just the drunkest you've ever seen them. Is it funny? No, it's I, I, I sad. I think to people it is, though. I, and I know what you're saying, and of course... It, well, not only is it sad the first in those two moments, times, but you, it certainly leads down very, very sad paths. Right. Maybe the first couple times someone did that, but the Wolf of Wall Street guy, this is a pattern that he was in for months. Right. And I guess that's the other thing is like I can see past the uh, sheen of the story and say, right. oh, behind that scene right. are times when he's puking in the toilet and right so imagine that movie right that one would stop being funny right they show right. you that first scene and you're probably laughing oh <laughs> then the next scene they show you he's supposed to make a meeting and he's not because he's like puking and then the next meeting he is or scene he's falling down the stairs still like then pretty soon you're like oh man right oh geez so getting back to anna delvey which again I kind of get why it's interesting, but I also am just kind of boggled. We'll see, I guess we'll see what happens when the you know the TV productions come out. But anyway, so she's born 1991. She's so she's about 28 right now. She's born in Russia. Her her, her real name is Anna Sorokin. Uh, her father was an executive for a bit, but then became a business owner. I think of an HVAC company. Uh, she said she wasn't very close to her parents. Right. Her classmates remember her as being quiet, whatever that means. So I, I wish we could, I wish journalists would look into more of her childhood and let me know because <laughs> I, that, I couldn't find hardly anything about her childhood because that's always what is interesting to me in terms sure. of why someone would be this way. But anyway, as a teenager, she moved, uh, her family moved to Germany, okay. I think for work. Uh, 2010, so this is just nine years ago, she's 19 years old, and she moved to Paris to pursue a fashion degree. And she was still financially dependent on her parents, which, you know, pretty normal kind of Western situation. 2013, age 22, she moves to New York for uh, more fashion work. So she goes, you know, she goes from Russia to Germany. As, as soon as she's adult, she goes to Paris, and then she goes to New York. So at this point, she's really just trying to make it in the fashion industry. And she, uh, at some point, she quits her entry-level job in fashion. So she's 22 years old, 23, 24 years old, and she's like, I, I don't want to work in this. I, you know, Who knows why she made that choice? So she doesn't have any money, but she's still dependent on her parents. Her parents are still sending her money for rent and stuff to live in Manhattan, by yeah. the way. So she's not poor. <laughs> right. So she, she has – her parents are giving her a lot of money to just kind of pursue. But, you know, it's not unusual for that. But she, yeah, but we're talking about like now she's like 23 or something. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's still, it's not that strange. I mean, I was I was left to mostly my own devices at the age of 18, minus some financial assistance with the tuition, but not all of it. Yeah, 
And, you know, when you walk to school, it was uphill both ways, that kind of thing. And uh, for kids today, middle-class kids today, especially because people are more wealthy these days and people have less kids, fewer kids, that I have found that the, that stage of dependency on parents is extended longer than it was in, in our day. And, right. and, and for us, it was longer than it was for people 20, 30 years prior This to is that. dumb, man. When I have kids, I'm going to have them working from the age. Because you can work at like 15, right? Yeah. Be like, okay, you owe me rent. You owe me money starting this week. If you can't, it would be like a mob type thing. If you can't make your weekly payments, we're going to have some goons come and take you. Good luck with that. <laughs> so, can you imagine that? This is the greatest pyramid scheme. Like, the more kids you have, the more money you can make. <laughs> well, you and Anna Delvey would get along. <laughs> so, this is when her con artistry begins. Now, we don't know if prior to this moment she was dabbling in being a con artist. Right. But we definitely know this is when she was starting to do con artist things. Now, I don't know the progression. I'm sure in the future the details will be more clear. But So forgive me if I get a little uh, some of the details wrong. So at some point, she tricks the bank into giving her a $100,000 business loan. She faked some bank statements to, to get loans. She faked that she had 60 million pounds in a bank account in Europe somewhere. Yeah. And based on that, she was able to get a hundred thousand dollar loan. How did they? I mean, was this in the Middle Ages where there were no electronic means of communication with other countries? Yeah, it's bizarre. <laughs> I, I'd, and I'd really lo- love to know the story from the bank person yeah. who actually, because it wasn't. She didn't go to a loan shark. She didn't go to an uncle. No. She went to an institution right. of finance that. Is supposed to know one. Don't just hand out money, especially an amount like a hundred thousand right. dollars. Two, you're right. With today's financial digital market, I'm sure <laughs> it's just a click away to find out if something's legit. I mean, she she just doctored these documents. Right. Now, now, now I will say, what year was this? This was five years ago. Yeah. Oh, five years ago. Well, I don't know. Six. Well, I was asking because there was a period of time around 2007 but that's a long time ago, uh, where they were handing loans, unsecured loans, pretty easily. And like, well, I, got, right. I got one of those, too. Right, so this is just, you know, a short time after the uh, the loan scares of 2008. So actually, it would have been even harder to get a loan. At right, <laughs> exactly. So it, it's bizarre. I, I'd love to know the story of that. And I wonder if it's just a glitch in this person or this bank system, or if Anna Delvey had something to do with that, like blinking her eyes a lot or yeah. something. I don't know. Weird. Um, now, instead of spending this money wisely, so so at this point, she's trying to actually get a business going. Oh, so, so this was a fashion business? Right. So she wanted to start this private... I don't really understand it. I'm guessing to people who understand this sort of business, they understand it, but... I actually don't really get it unless it's kind of a weird thing that no one does. But anyway, she wanted to start this thing called the Anna Delvey Foundation. Uh, Anna, okay. So an, a foundation named after her. So it's like Donald Trump, right? He, she, he's, she's calling herself the, the – she wants to call this mall essentially after herself. She doesn't want to call it anything else. She wants to call it ADF, Anna Delvey Foundation. 
So apparently, I, I heard it's, it. It's a mall, like right? So I don't really get it. It's yeah. it was it was a building that she was trying to secure in Manhattan, and she wanted it to be this super exclusive, expensive mm-hmm. art restaurant, bar, dance club complex. You just need a hundred thousand dollars for that, obviously. Well, what she needed was twenty <laughs> twenty five million dollars, right. but she needed a little bit of money, according to her to kind of get things going, which is normal. Yeah, but, but, but I, I mean, this is fascinating. I, obviously, it's a gap in my knowledge. You go to the bank, like, hey, I need a loan for this business. I'm sorry. Okay, what's the business? It's this mall where it's going to be fashion. It's going to be, oh, that's going to cost a lot of money. Yeah, like $25 million. Okay, so how much, you need $25 million for us? No, no, I just need hundred grand. Well, no. Well, what's I, the hundred grand for? <laughs> I, I think she actually did have some kind of logical explanation she must have it worked (laughs) like she needed a hundred grand to get the business kind of you know just a little bit going anyway the point is is what her big idea was she wanted to start this thing and um i don't really understand it like it's some kind of exclusive art installation Uh like art gallery thing and it has restaurants and bars and all these other kinds and it's supposed to be exclusive so yeah. it, it was. It wasn't supposed to be just for anybody. No, no, no. It was for like the the elite people, which is great. Because so as soon as you know, imagine you're at the you're at the bar late night, DJ's playing. You're like, oh, meet my friend Anna. Oh, hi Anna, what's up? Oh, you know much. What are you up to these days? Oh, I'm just starting to. I'm tr- working on this foundation thing. What foundation? Oh, it's gonna be this exclusive. Blah 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 blah. <gasps> oh my god, I that sounds on me. I totally want to be a part of that. What do you do? Oh, I'm like, I run this huge model thing over here, whatever, you know? Like immediately people would just get attracted to this nonsense. Right. So that's another yeah. potential reason as to why she would do it. Now, this is very similar to the Billy McFarland thing. Right. So the Billy McFarland thing, again, I think in Manhattan. Oh, in fact, he came across her. She apparently uh, had fooled him too. Oh, really? Yeah. Wait, he's the fire festival. Yeah. Yeah, yes. Yeah, so Billy McFarlane, his first uh, venture, and it was successful the, because the black of cards. <laughs> was this this black card thing yeah. that he started in Manhattan, where you you spent hundreds of dollars, I think, for yeah. the card, and then it gave you exclusive uh, access to these different perks, like right. there would be black part, you know, black card parties and black card restaurant discounts and stuff. Super exclusive. Yeah, it was very exclusive. Right. And I find this whole culture to be one of the grossest things. <laughs> we, we talked about it. <laughs> How it's like, oh yeah, man, you gotta be. It's like it's like going to the club and like, are you on the list? Right. If you're not on the list, you gotta wait in that gross plebe line out there. Yeah, we talked about that. that you know, you and I, will just summarize what we talked about with the fire Festival thing. We were, uh, we had friends who were really into that kind of culture in Seattle where there were, there there was definitely in their minds a tier system of the the places that were cooler. And even within a dance club, there were sections of the dance club that were cooler than the other sections. And there was always this sense of like, okay, you know, I have a hookup. I know how to get us into this thing. Right. And you and I would just be like, who cares? I don't like, care. And we'd, we'd go along because they, <laughs> they seemed really interested right. in, in getting in the VIP room. Right. Especially, do you remember, was it at the, uh, I forget, the, but you know, when you go upstairs and the VIP area is like cordoned off by a little rope. At, but, Trin- at Trinity. Yeah. yeah, Trinity. But like, 
there the difference between in VIP out of VIP right was just this thin little row. Well, no, no. So there were two things. Well, could you go upstairs? Maybe okay. Maybe the first level is going upstairs, yeah, and then upstairs there was a second level. There was a second level, right? right and it was just a rope. Right. But to be fair, like going upstairs, first of all, two things. So sure, you can kind of see from behind where the DJ area is. Yeah. Okay. I'm cool. If, if you don't get a great view, you certainly don't get a great view of the show downstairs. Yeah. And there's a very very tiny small dance area there. Yeah. And there's just this tiny bar with a fraction of the stuff they they have at the other one, and then the VIP area is just in there. The, the VVIP area, but then just a little rope. And you're right. like, oh, hey, you're in the VIV, the VVIP? Yeah. Oh, my God, because I'm right next to you. <laughs> yeah, there's something about that culture or that society or that vibe that it just kind of lends itself to that. Because it's not like when you go to the grocery store, there's a VIP section. <laughs> but some, but There's th- first class in airplanes. Yeah, but but even with first class and airplanes, you got to pay for it. Yeah. But there's something about dance clubs and maybe even art too, where there's always this notion that, well, if you're where everyone else is, you're not where the cool people are. Right. And those same people walk into the same grocery store, and but you know I don't know if I talked about this last time, but I've noticed this because there's a lot of really rich people in Seattle, and um, now. They're, when I say really rich people, what I mean is is that they talk like really rich people, whether or not they're rich or not, sure. actually. That's kind of a thing. And there are very wealthy people in Seattle. Yeah. But I bet you anything, the very rich people don't actually do this. It's it's like aspiring rich people or rich mm. culturally people. But anyway, there's a way that they talk about uh, things that – it's not horrible. I'm not going to denigrate it, but it's particular. Yeah. And And tell me if you've noticed this, where – they, because I know you don't do this, where they talk about hookups a lot. They talk about like, oh right, <laughs> you know, they'll they'll be like, um, so you know, I was shopping for a car, and they'll just be talking about like a Toyota or something. Yeah. But they'll be like, and you know, I have a friend of a friend who knows someone, and sure. I got a sweet deal on it. And right. we're talking about deals that are in the tens of thousands of dollars we're not talking about like clipping a coupon they like they would never clip a coupon at the grocery store right but this kind of i'm not really describing it well like another example would be i know a guy who can get get us the sweetest uh salmon fishing trip in this in the puget sound and they don't like fishing, but they but they <laughs> but know we can what, get this hookup. But we can get this hookup, right? Uh, do you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Did you notice that? Oh, I've definitely noticed that. I mean, but uh, you and I don't do that. I, I mean, I first of all, I'm terrible at finding deals. Second, I, I guess I don't look look out for them right. necessarily. But I, but I think it's part of that culture of yeah. There's always something better than right. what the regular people are right. doing, and unless you have an eye on that and know the right people. Totally. You're, you're going to miss out. Oh, absolutely. Well, like, for example, when boating season comes around, right? Like, I remember this year after year, there were these gals that we would see at the clubs and things, and inevitably, one of them would befriend some dude with some crazy yacht. And it's like, what are you doing this weekend? Oh, my gosh. Uh, such and such introduced me to such and such. And so we get to go on his, like, crazy yacht. I'm like, I was like oh, my gosh, that's crazy. You know, and then the pictures come up and, and it's like, but that's the thing. It's like, yeah, the cool thing is like, who, whose yacht could I get on this I, summer? You know? I think I know exactly who you're talking about, <laughs> actually, because I saw the pictures too. And yeah, 
because yachts have cultural power, right? And it, but it's just a goddamn thing that's floating on the water. <laughs> and if you've ever been on a yacht or a nice boat, there's nothing particularly special about it. Like you could walk down to a public dock, right. And have virtually the same experience. So, so to be clear, we're not talking about the difference between, you know, most of us live in some encampment that's really impoverished and we don't have access to really clean water and stuff. And then, you know, a few of us, a few of the, these people get the hookup and they, they get to go to where they can drink clean water and eat full, you know, meals. It's like, okay, well, that, we would all want that, you right. know. We're talking about like we all live perfectly comfortable lives with way more riches than almost anyone else in this world. And we're, we got one little more bonus because we knew someone, you know? Yeah, it'd be like if someone said, I have the hookup on a very, on a very fashionable uh, iPhone case. Exactly. And, and, yeah, exactly. And it's like everyone has access to millions of iPhone cases, <laughs> but this person has a hookup to a special kind of iPhone yeah. case. It doesn't have any better function functionality. No, it's just designer. It's just designer or something, <laughs> yeah. or maybe it's made out of some special right. material that's being, but it's not actually useful. And that's this mentality that I'm pretty sure. When I heard the story of Anna Delvey, that was what I heard. Yeah. That her being of that culture and entering that culture and appealing to that culture. And you're right. At a party, if she talks about starting this mall in Manhattan, and she gives this impression at the very least that she's a trust fund kid, and she's actually going to get it going, that's a pretty interesting story. Oh, yeah. And and Anna Delvey not being a wealthy person, not being a trust fund kid, not being famous, just being a regular immigrant, yeah. uh, gives her this instant uh, zhuzh that right. gives her – you know, uh, people are interested. They, they want to talk to her. Absolutely. And and there's a lot of extra things that seem believable, probably. I, I don't know if um, she probably has an accent. Have you heard her? Does she have an accent? Yeah, she has an accent. Yeah. So that coupled with, you know, we've heard about all these Russian billionaires, right? Like, and so it's a little bit of this. Although, I, where did she say she was from? What was her backstory? She said she was from Germany. Oh, from Germany. Well, you know, European billionaires are a yeah. dime a dozen. and. Yeah. Uh, and, and then she's got an accent and, uh, and then she's doing this thing that now I want to be a part of because if, if it's as halfway as cool as she says it's going to be, I'll be damned if I'm left out of that because I want to be in on the in-in crowd. Well, and we'll get into more of what really kind of zhuzhed up her life, but we'll do it after the break. What do you say? Yep. All right, we're back from the break. So if a con artist were to convince people to become a patron of the podcast and they were really interested in the VIP culture, what would they do, Berto? Uh, well, we'll get to that in a minute. But first, I wanted to say, so I just returned from Australia. And I got to tell you, I made some amazing connections there. This was total random luck, but a couple of really wealthy investors. This is the part of the Glitterati thing? Uh, the Glitterati in Australia. A couple of really wealthy investors. They took me out on this beautiful 60-foot yacht. We went shark fishing and stuff. And the thing is, they heard our podcast. And they're willing, they're they so enamored of this idea of patrons. They're willing to give each one of our patrons, like, I don't know, thousands of dollars back for their investment. But the key is, we have to hit, like, 3,000 patrons. And then... 
every one of the patrons is going to get like these Australian riches. I don't even know if it'll be cash. It'll be like diamonds. What does Australia have? Rubies? These people Shrimp. own Australia. Shrimp. Shrimp. Kangaroo, um, kangaroos. So, but that's the key. So do it now. Get to the draft. Oh, and by the way, after the 3,000, they'll never do this again. Yeah. You got to get in on the ground floor of this thing. So become a patron of the podcast to become a victim of Umberto's scam <laughs> scene. Uh, there can be no higher honor, really. Uh, so she starts handing out $100, crisp $100 tips to everybody that she works with. Right. And so everyone's like, well, that proves a lot. Right. Who tips 100 bucks? Right. $100 to the to the bellboy, right. $100 to the waitress, $100 to the Uber driver, just hundred crisp $100 bills to everybody. Okay, so, so quick side story. Uh, when I was starting in my uh, glitterati job, um, I, I wanted to feel like I was really wealthy. And so I, this was back in 2000, in the year 2000. In the year, year 2000. 2000. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So anyways, I'm sitting there, and we go to a strip club with some of the coworkers. And I, I want to feel like I'm rolling in the dough. So I start tipping $20 tips left and right, left and right. And, like, there was this one random Wednesday where I – Blew through fifteen hundred dollars. Fifteen, fifteen hundred dollars. And to give you context, in Washington State, you can't drink at these places. No, there was no alcohol involved. So you're not. You're there was not, like soda water, and these weren't. And by the way, this wasn't lap dances because we were all like together. We were watching. We, I was just tipping the waitress, the because I'm rich. You know how rich I am. You know I'm like just rich. And then this was at a time where like. I probably made, you know, like, I at most 60K a year or something, you know. And all, all of it was accounted for every paycheck, like living paycheck to paycheck. And I'm like, 1500 bucks. Yeah, you know, like, it wasn't very real. But it was that desire because me being, I guess, coming from poverty, not poverty, poverty, like, but not having any money in Colombia and feeling like, now I have money. You know, I wanted to believe I'm one of these powerful, rich people out there. Would you have been the same if you had stayed in Colombia and, and had a relative higher or mid-level income at that age? Uh, what I'm asking is, is being in America, you know, with all the American dream and the, the culture that comes with being in America, did that affect your motivation to do that? Yes, but you got to be aware that there is a large uh, subculture, sorry, a small but important subculture of the wealthier elite in Colombia, yeah. and they're just as or more extravagant. But I mean, to you, on. like, because I, 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 I wonder for Anna Delvey, yeah. if she's like, well, I, I've been watching American TV, oh, I I've, been, I've been paying attention to American famous people my whole yeah. life, I'm now in Manhattan, in the center of the cultural world, and... I, I need if I can't make it here, I can't mm -hmm. make it anywhere. I gotta impress these people. I, I gotta see. I gotta rise to the occasion. Whereas yeah. if she stayed in Germany, she would have been like, "Well, I don't, you know, I don't need to <laughs> do that that much excess." I just wonder if if that's a it could be factor. It could be. There's also you know when I was going to school in Colombia, it was a private school, and a lot of the families, I'd probably say eighty percent of the families, had a lot of money, and. I always felt left out in that sense because like, you know, when there were like field trips that you had to bring money, you have to bring money for the field trip. 
I knew that I didn't have the money. Now, eventually, what would usually happen is my grandma would find out because my cousin was going to the same school. And then she would know that my grandma from my mom's side, and she would know that I didn't have the money. So the money would magically manifest itself. So this uh, experience that was not pleasant for you yeah. might have motivated you to overcompensate. Right. Oh, now who's got no money? Yeah. You know. So similar to that, handing out hundred dollar tips while she can't really afford it because now, right. but she's got a hundred grand in the bank. But, but it's not but hers. It's but a loan. Still, yeah. yeah. No, I can so relate to that. She starts staying at expensive hotels, $400 plus a night. When they demand money from her, she would make excuses. You know, here's another credit card or it's coming. And because she's handing out $100 tips, they're like, well, right. she, well yeah, she's, she's got it. She's got to be good for it. Yeah. And they just kind of let her. Uh, and, and when shit really hit the fan, then she would just go to another hotel. And she wore expensive clothes, designer clothes. She went to very expensive restaurants in the hotel she was staying at. And she would just say, I'll oh, just charge, charge it to the room. Yeah. She hired private jets a, a, a number of times. Do you know how much it costs? Oh, my God. To, just for herself. Not, not as part of like a 10-person private jet share, you know. Uh, when she, It's like just for herself, for random trips that she was going on. Oh, my God. How much do you think it costs to rent a private to jet. rent a private jet like 20 grand or something yeah like 35 grand holy crap $35,000 for a minor trip now yeah. the only reason why you would do that is if you were trying to impress yeah. i mean major celebrities don't do that right people who actually have the money don't do that i mean they, when, when people like that splurge it's cuz they bought the first class ticket Right. You know, like, like rich, like there are rich people who actually don't get first class because they're like, ah, it's a little expensive. But yeah, super rich people, first class is fine. Why do you need a private jet? Like you've got to be beyond rich to to just be like, yep, private jet everywhere I go. Um, insane. So again, it's not just hundred dollar tips, man. It's not just $400 a night hotel. It's $35,000 private jet for, for no reason other than she wants to impress people. Yeah. Because if you really want to impress people, in fact, there, were, there was talk in this one article that this one observing woman of her life was like, yeah, people were talking about, I think she arrived on a private jet. Like if you arrive on a private <laughs> jet, that, that, if you hand out that confirms a lot. Yeah, if you hand out $100 tips, that's yeah. one level of rumor that will go around a party. Yeah. But if you arrive in a private jet, you're going to be like, see that woman over there? Ooh. She came here in a private jet. Can you imagine if I had arrived in a private jet to the strip club? well you'd be landing what on lake city (laughs) lake city way um so she lied about her father being super rich or she gave the impression anyway um she told people she would finance their projects like movies just as a favor to them she started hanging out with with you know c-level uh um celebrities like macaulay culkin by the way i did that too the the movie thing i mean i've talked about it before i think I invested money in a in someone's movie idea, like with no collateral, no nothing. Just like, oh, I'm working on this movie. Really? Yeah, I'm looking for investors. Really? Well, I'm a suck. I mean, I'm an investor. So it's interesting. I didn't realize this, but you're a shade off of Anna Anna Delvey. There is one important difference. You're not a con artist. Well, hey, I definitely am not a con artist. But there's something else which is really weird. Um. Her need 
it, it, it really does seem like she was trying to explicitly have other people see her in a certain light, right? Well, that's what we don't really know. Okay, so I we're guess gonna, we might not. Yeah, we're going to yeah. talk about the psychology of yeah. Anna Delvey. But that's one angle that certainly could be true, and that, she, that she's really trying to trick people. The other possibility that I think is just as viable is that she was like you, but really not thinking straight about the whole thing. Or more deluded, or, <laughs> or uh, yeah. what I say, uh, she she was more deluded yeah. about her chances because it's possible that she actually believed in her heart yeah. that she was going to make a lot of money given her her plan to create this Anna Delvey Foundation. There's definitely a thread in which these are not un- alike because my motivation was certainly. Uh, oh, you know, if I wear these fancy clothes and if I spend this kind of money and if I tell this person I can invest in their movie, that now proves to me and to everyone else that I'm not this poor person. You know, oh, look, I do have money. Ha ha, who's laughing now? And of course, it wasn't ever that explicit. And a lot of it in my head was like, well, I would somehow convince myself that I actually totally had the money and I was doing a favor, you know, I'm like, oh, I can invest. And then, of course, I was thinking, oh, imagine if the movie does great. I'll be like this grandiose investor. My next production will be with Spielberg, you know? Right. So, yeah. So, it's similar. I, yeah, so, that's, I think, one possibility. The other possibility is she's an absolute con artist. And we'll get into our psychology in a bit. But anyway, she started hanging out with some famous people like Macaulay Culkin and Martin Shkreli, by the way. Which one's that one? So he's the pharma bro. Oh, right, right, right. The one that got in trouble for overcharging massively. Right. Yeah. Which I find to be just hilarious. So Martin Shkreli and Anna Delvey and Billy McFarlane. Yeah. They're all, all in the same circle. Hanging out together. <laughs> uh, and it just and those are the people we know about. Right. Like how many others in that circle? It's a viper's nest over there. <laughs> yeah. She started claiming she had meetings with other famous people like Bill Gates, even though that doesn't seem likely. And she, of course, went to all the best parties. Yeah. Uh, but then the money ran out pretty quickly. I think this whole thing lasted maybe a year. Like, How could it? I mean, how could it even, right. you know? Like 2016, <laughs> her, you know, her, her flame burned bright and yeah. sh- short. So the money ran out. And so that hundred grand, I'm guessing, right. ran out. And her money from her, from her parents wasn't enough. And she started asking people if they would uh, start paying for things. So before, she sure. paid for everything. Oh, and I didn't mention this. They would go on trips to, like, Europe, like, Ibiza and Italy. And, oh, my gosh. And, you know, really <laughs> fancy, like... Yeah, and it's always on her. Right. She would she would pay for everything. And uh, it's just like... I, the other question I have is her IQ. So... Was she a genius because she was able to trick all these people for a short amount of time, or was she, or was she really not very smart? Yeah, and accidentally tricked the bank in a way that yeah. the bank shouldn't have been able to be tricked. Anyway, so when her money runs out, she she goes on this kind of infamous trip to Africa, I think Morocco, and she asks a bunch of people, "You you want to go on a trip? You know, we're going on a fancy trip. We're going to go to Morocco." This is when she's out of money already. Basically, or oh, she's, about, or she's to, about to be. I mean, she should have known she's yeah. close. She rents a private villa that has a butler, like round the clock. Guess oh, how many, how God. much, how much money a night? How much, how many dollars a night? Oh, I don't know, like a whole villa? Yeah. 
uh, $25,000 a night. No, it's $7,000. $7,000 yeah. a night. 7000 Okay. When I go to a hotel and I see a price like that's over $125, given the way that, because in my head, that's because I'm still on like right. 1993, sure, sure, like sure. inflation uh, prices. Like yeah. when I go to McDonald's on the, or a fast food restaurant and I order food for two people and it's $15, I'm always like, what? <laughs> like it's two people. That, that should be like less than Three five bucks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, cause that's the way it was when we were growing up. Yeah. $1.50 each. No, I totally get you. And you know, I have paid some expensive hotel rooms before. And these were like 550 a night or something like that, you know? Jeez. And that was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get that deluxe, whatever, whatever. See, that? I think that's one of the dumbest things one could spend money on, by it's the way. It's a hotel room. <laughs> because it's just a bed and a, and a toilet. It, mostly. Although for me... I, I mean, there's a difference between super shitty rooms. Sure, yeah. That no, are, I agree. That I have, have past, like blood stains on the floor. Past the... Uh, if you're in a four-star room that costs you 170 bucks, you're doing pretty well. Yeah. You know, uh, everything past that is just superfluous. <laughs> right. It's it's just fancier sheets that don't really do anything. Right. So but she seven seven thousand seven. So this is a woman who doesn't have any money. So even if she hadn't spent any money by that point. Yeah. She, I think they went for, I don't know, 10 days or something. Oh so my God. just for the private villa alone. So somehow she, as she's leaving, they start hanging her up for the bill. And at this point... It's like, what, 70 grand plus all the food plus everything. Yeah. Easily another 100 grand. Right. I don't know how much it was yeah. and how long it was, but it, you know, at least $7,000. And uh, a friend of her said that uh, she had a bunch of credit card numbers. Not just credit cards, but numbers of credit cards. Okay. So I don't know where she got all these mysterious credit card numbers. And she would just like rattle off different numbers. And then oh my God. They, would, they would start to be declined over time, this friend would observe. And then she would just start making other people pay for it. And she said, I'll pay you oh, back. I wonder if those credit card numbers she had like stolen from people. Like she had written them down. Right. From other rich people. Other rich so that's people. the other thing. She started, so when she first started doing this, when she would sort of shove her bills onto other people, because she had risen to such a high level in the echelon of right. rich people. In fact, her she hired a trainer that was, I think, thousands of dollars per session. Oh, my God. Something like that. And got introduced to other rich people. She actually Ooh. became friends with the trainer. How friends much can in, you train for thousand dollars? But that's that. That's this world. So wow. she was around other super rich young people, and when she would give the bill to them because she couldn't pay, they wouldn't notice because they were so rich. Yeah. They would just be like, "Okay, I guess I'll pay. you'll get me back." Okay, sure. You know, it's sort of be like if yeah. you and I went to Denny's, yeah, and the bill was twenty five dollars. Yeah. And I was yeah, like, oh, like, oh, can I you get it? Like, you yeah. wouldn't remember necessarily. Right, right, right. Well, that's that's what the world she was in. But some <laughs> of the people were remembering because they didn't have that kind oh of... Oh, my God. And so they start actually realizing, wait, so you can't pay for this? Like, yeah. you're actually that poor? And so... But, but by the way, a quick aside. Uh, in high school, and this was up here in, in, in this country, uh, me and my friend Ron and my friend Eric would often go out to eat like maybe on a Friday night or Saturday, whatever. Uh, let's say we we're at Denny's, in fact, and we're eating 
The thing is, they would say, hey, do you want to go out? Um, you know, my friend Ron might say, do you want to go with me and Eric? We're going to go grab some food. I'm like, absolutely. I would never say no. And we go over. But the thing is, I rarely ever had money because I, I this was like before I was working a job. Oh. And I only got like 10 bucks allowance or something and I probably already spent it. So I was like, absolutely. And I would go to eat dinner with them knowing full well I have not a cent in my pocket. <laughs> and we would finish the meal. And then I'd be like, hey, um, could you guys pay for me this time? And then they'd be like, again? Like, we, we're always paying for you. I'm like, I know. I just don't have the money. And like, oh, my gosh, we're going to make you wash dishes one of these times. And then, of course, when I finally started working and making money, then I would, I would gladly pick up the – but it was hilarious because it was a pattern. I don't know how many times, but where I would regularly – go and they'd be like if you knew you had no money why'd you come and i'm like i just wanted to come you know it's funny i can totally see you doing that because <laughs> you have serious fomo about things right <laughs> but i've never known you not to have money right so like this was in high school you yeah know? and by the way me and my friends were so poor that that would have happened fool me once shame on me shame on you fool me twice that's all that's so it. we would never have let that right. go like we were so poor, me and my friends. I mean, we weren't poor, poor, but like our, you didn't our, have spending cash, right? Like our that. families yeah. had our families had money, but we certainly didn't have any right. cash. <laughs> and because this is back in the day when I don't know, in the late eighties, to get an allowance was actually kind of rare. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, like I, I, heard, I, one of my friends got paid for his grades. He got like yeah. twenty bucks for every A he got, and I remember just being astounded by that. My brother had that. Yeah. He got every A got a $20 bill. Yeah. My little brother. Oh, and when he went to the dentist, every tooth that didn't have a cavity, 20 bucks. Oh my god. So he'd walk out with like these hundreds of dollars. I I had like a $10 allowance. Yeah. And yeah. Well, I never I well, just a side note on this. So, um I had a 75 cent allowance when I was a kid. When Jeez. I was like, you know, 6, 7 years yeah. old, 8 years old. And at a certain point, I stopped. My dad, I, was, I would always go up to my dad and say, okay, it's time for allowance. And he would give me three quarters. Uh -huh. And I, at some point, just stopped asking for money because I, I don't know, I didn't really need it or something. Right. Fast forward like two and a half years. I suddenly start thinking, hmm, I think I want to start buying things. And I thought, well, you know, I haven't actually got my allowance in a while. And so I sat down with... Uh, pen and paper and i figured <laughs> i figured out how much my dad owed me oh my god and it was something like would have i don't know would just be like uh 100 time 100 like 200 times 75 cents so it's 150 bucks or something 100 what is it? 100, <laughs> 150 bucks ish so i went to my dad and i said you owe me 150 dollars wow. be, because you know i'm here to collect <laughs> i can to me I, it, it all made sense right it's like well you're a bank and I, I just haven't withdrawn. Right. And so I went to, and I thought my dad was going to be like, okay, good, good sure. job. And I thought Here's he was going to have 50. My parents laughed harder than I've ever, <laughs> I've ever heard them laugh. They were like, no, no. And I, I felt so defeated because I thought, well, so you're saying that if I just would have collected all oh these, my God. you know, it just felt so unfair to me. Oh but anyway, my God. that's hilarious. I wonder how often that happens to kids. Yeah. Well, so, <laughs> but me and my friends were so poor. Another side note of the first side note is we would go to a Mexican, and I feel bad for the restaurants now, but we were 17. 
we'd go to the Mexican restaurant in Factoria. Yeah. There's like a Mazatlan or Azteca or something mm-hmm. there. And we would go in, four of us, we'd sit down at a booth, you know, and they always bring f- chips, right? Oh, yeah. Chips and salsa. And he'd be oh, like, my God. Do you know what you want yet? And we'd be like, no, no, no. Not we're... yet. <laughs> and we'd, we'd polish off the chips and salsa. They'd come back again. Oh, my God. Man, now I want chips and salsa. But anyway, <laughs> we, we'd finish like a... They just keep bringing it, right? Oh, yeah, because they keep bringing more. And then at the, at the very last possible, most awkward moment, one of us would order the cheapest thing. You know, we would You would just, actually order? Yeah, we'd order. You know? Oh, wow. But it'd be I thought like, you were criminals It'd here. be like a $6, <laughs> you know, sure. appetizer. Sure. And we eat that, and then we'd walk out. And you'd split it. <laughs> yeah, but we'd be full, man, because we got like a full like thing. Yeah. The bag load of chips and salsa. Yeah. Anyway, so, so this woman at around the same age is walking around paying, uh, you know, $35,000 for a private jet. So at this point, she's completely run out of money. She owes money to the banks. She owes tens of thousands of dollars to a number of expensive hotels. Jeez, man. And she owed money to the private jet company. The total amount was about 20, or so, sorry, $275,000. What? Oh, my God. So that's horrible, right? Yeah. But at the same time, that's like kind of normal for, an, for a student loan, by the way. Well, sure, but you got an education out of it. <laughs> but still, so so to me, when I first saw this number, I thought, well, that's a lot of money. But then I started thinking about it. Donald Trump spent $13 million of our tax money for four trips to Mar-a-Lago in right. one month. Yeah. One month for a trip that he does not need to be doing. Now, I know all the presidents do these kinds of expensive trips. Yeah. So... This is an indictment on any president who spends this kind of money. Right. $13 million of of our tax dollars. You and me, Umberto, we pay for Donald Trump and his entourage to just pick up and go to Mar-a-Lago four times a month. And I'll gladly do it again. MAGA! Oh, wait, what is it now? Kaga! Kaga! So that's one month, okay? That's not, you know... That's not like over the span of, that's just one month. So imagine when you actually times that by 12 months, times that by four years. McFarlane and Ja Rule are being sued for a hundred million. Million, right. Bernie Madoff <laughs> scammed people out of how much do you think? Uh, wasn't it like uh, wait, 65 million or something? 15 billion. Wait, wait, hold on. Stop. Bernie Madoff. Wait, stop. Was on colossal level. Billion? Yeah. So billion dollars, fifteen yes. billion dollars. So Anna Delvey just one. She just took a loan out for a hundred thousand dollars. Two, all the money that she owed were to people who basically stupidly let her have the product before charging her. Yeah, and that's 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 a rich person tricking you. Do you know what I mean? Like when someone yeah. comes in. Uh, to a McDonald's, you don't say, I'll gladly mm-hmm. pay you for two burgers on Thursday to get one burger today. Yeah, let's not forget, the poor people don't get the burger before they've paid. Right. You so, pay, right. and then you get your burger. So if you're a fancy restaurant or a fancy hotel, and you're just believing people, I feel like that's on you, motherfucker. Yeah, that's, absolutely. Like, now... You're as the customer, you you lied. Yeah. But to me, it's like 
I don't know. It just it doesn't feel as criminal as Bernie Madoff or McFarlane uh, or even Donald Trump. Well, I mean, yeah, it's still criminal, but certainly it's it's nowhere near as egregious. Uh, quick question about Madoff: What happened to the fifteen billion? I don't know the full story. Jeez. Um, he, well, you know, whatever. He, he, like, he had a he had a, a a Ponzi scheme, right? Yes. Now your point, though, being we so can't, I think we he, can't easily group these as like, yep, they're all the same people, right? So I don't know if he right. Ex- well, that, and that's my point is like, how many people you know is um, what's your face is Lena Dunham going to make a movie about Bernie Madoff? Right. No. No. No one's interested in Bernie Madoff. But all these people are fascinated with Anna Delvey, the person who is probably one of the least lucrative, more sh- more shortest, you know, yeah. living con artists. And right now, there's probably dozens of people in Manhattan alone who are way more criminal, you know, you know, inside trading, right. uh, uh, you know, people who. Scam the government, you know, uh, well, you, contractors, you, da, totally. da, da. And you know, the tragic part of this is this is just going to reward her behavior, right? Because she's famous. She's famous and rich now yeah. as a result of what's going to happen. Because yeah. she's, I'm sure, going to have to get paid for the rights, right? Yeah. So she's and she's get, selling a book. She's going to get two, two books. A shit ton of money, right? And the fame, more fame that she probably ever thought she was going to get. Because she was going to be famous just within that little circle, yeah. Right. This is like worldwide fame, right? She couldn't have asked for a better. And outcome. so, what is the lesson? Why right. not do this? Right. Well, we'll get into that. So she gets arrested two years ago, and for not paying her bills, essentially, and for lying about her finances, she gets charged with grand larceny and a bunch of other charges. Larceny is one of those words you don't hear very often. Like, do they have just small larceny, or is it always grand larceny? It's pretty grand when you do it. She was offered a plea deal for one year in prison, which she didn't take, which indicates to me low IQ. Cause, a plea deal? Yeah. She didn't take a plea deal? For, no. Oh, my God. Convict, she goes to trial. Con, it like Anyway, she goes to trial, convicted four to 12 years in state prison. And Oh, my God. How do you feel about her getting prison time? Well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. but I, I'm, I'm just shocked. I didn't realize that she turned down a plea deal. Yeah. Well, in the report I saw, she said she waited too long and then it lapsed the deadline. But to me, that says you just didn't take it. Yeah. You know? And I think she says that because she feels stupid for not taking it. Of course. Um, she's ordered to pay a twenty-four thousand dollar fine. It does. By the way, it does potentially point at like a little bit of. Or a lot of delusion, maybe. Yeah. Like, where she literally might have been, like, either convincing herself that she really didn't do anything wrong or that she could easily beat the case or something. Right, like Ted Bundy. Yeah. So she's ordered to pay a $24,000 fine and ordered to pay restitution of close to $200,000. And after being released, she might be deported to Germany. And Why Germany? Because that's where she came from. Oh, so she was Russian, but she came from Germany. Yeah. Okay. So is this the immigrants that Trump was trying to keep out? It's just one of the questions I have. No, because those are wealth. These are wealthy immigrants. It's fine. Even though she's not and she's scamming us. <laughs> uh, so she goes to prison and she's already been disciplined 13 times for infractions in prison, which apparently is 
is kind of unusual. Wow. Including a few weeks in solitary. Jeez, what is going on? So when you look at pictures of her, it's I have a hard time picturing that. Yeah. But she's got the glasses now. <laughs> so got these big glasses. There's that's interesting to me because the, the to because when you're in prison, what do you get out of? 13 infractions. Yeah. What, I, I don't, I'm, I'm really curious what the infractions are. I wonder if are. there's drugs involved, like she's addicted maybe? Well, I, I don't think that would explain. Cause, well, if she's trying to get at least illicit drugs and she's gotten them and gotten in trouble or something. Oh, I see. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. But I think it has more to do with her talking back to people, her being hmm. oppositional. It was the Because she actually talked about how she was getting in trouble a lot too. Anyway. She's writing a couple books, one book about her con artist days and another book about her days in prison. After getting released, she says she's going to pursue uh, reforming the criminal justice system, which I oh find, my to be, God. find to be just so kind of trite in some way. It's like OJ finding the killer. Yeah. And she wants to go into AI, which another, I'm just like... She wants to go into artificial intelligence. Yeah. Reform the prison system and, and go into artificial Right, so this is, when we get into her personality, this is starting to point to her, towards narcissism. Um, a young person who hasn't been to college, who hasn't, has, or barely been, she's been to fashion college, she, yeah. she wants to reform the criminal justice system. She wants to go into AI. Go into AI. Like, what does that even mean? I'm going to go into AI. Yeah, and she wants to go into finance. So... You know, it's give, a lot of interest. In all likelihood, she'll get a reality TV show deal, and she'll be just like the Kardashians. Oh, man. I'd watch an episode of that. Um, okay, so she gets interviewed. So this is when we really get a picture of you know who she is. So uh, the, there's a couple of interviews that I was pulling from. So one of the things is she says, "The thing is, I'm not sorry." She says, "I'd be lying to you and to everyone else and to myself if I said I was sorry for anything." I regret the way I went about certain things. She says, she claims that she always intended on paying everyone back, which I think could be possible. Could be part of that delusion of just like... Oh, sure. Like, she's like, as soon as I am the millionaire I claim to be, sure, I'll kick back some money. Right. She admitted to lying, but only because she was being pressured by investors to produce. (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, (laughs) sure. I only lied because they were asking me where the body was buried. Well, and again, so it's possible from her deluded narcissistic perspective that she was getting pressured by to produce and she's like, okay, yeah, I've got tons of money because she's thinking, well, eventually it's going to be true and and everyone will be fine. And there is this fine line that we have discussed before, which is the fake it till you make it that does end up paying out for some people. Right. And so people see that and they're like, well, I guess I got to do that. But that fine line, unfortunately, just like other things in life, delves into the illegal territory as well. Right. The analogy I thought of was that... uh, all musicians start out acting like they're right. go- like they're gods. Right. Like when you're a shitty, when you're trying to be famous as a as a rock band or a rapper or something, right. you don't you don't necessarily admit that you're you know you don't have an agent and you right. don't have a contract and you just record in your basement and you don't like yourself. I mean, some people do, but a lot of yeah. people don't. And so what you do is you say. 
yeah, I've got gigs lined up. I have an agent. I have, you know, I'm big in Japan. Da da da. You know, you blow yourself up because it actually works. Because then when people hear that, then they're more likely to pay attention yeah. to you, which actually snowballs and cascades into more fame. Yeah, the difference is when you start doing things like, oh, uh, so Dr. Dre has agreed to produce our album. Right. And we're actually going to feature Beyonce on it. And I actually, I'm opening for Paul McCartney next week. Or, you know, Dr. Dre's people have expressed interest. You know, that kind of lie. Even worse, here is the signed letter of intent from Dr. Dre. Right. So she said she liked the attention from rich men. She, she, she said, I really liked getting, I don't know how she worded it, but she essentially said that she really right. liked getting attention from rich men. With that, that one's a little puzzling to me because she didn't need to pretend to be wealthy in order to get attention from rich men. But man, the fast route to attention, if you're a rich young woman who sure. has a big idea, yeah. uh, you know. It's oh, with a, the idea, yeah. Like... That sure. So all of a sudden you're like, look, here's what I want to do. And but even like, if you're just rich, you know, you go into a fancy party again. Okay, Anna Delvey walks in, no rumors about her to a party of 25 people at a cocktail party, uh, and then scenario two, Anna Delvey walks in, and the rumor is she flew in on a private jet. Yeah. Okay. So how many people are gonna at least want to? talk to her and get to know her story. Well, but what I'm trying to say is I get that for the average person, but if you're a wealthy man that maybe flew in on a private jet too, maybe owns a private jet, then that's not as impressive. I right? think it still is. I don't think it's as impressive, but I think it means that you still are more interested in talking to let's do the reverse. Anna Delvey walks in in obviously a, you know, a shitty dress and everyone knows that She's a waitress at the at the restaurant down the street. Yeah, she's the waitress you want because you're you are so rich and powerful. You can kind of get any woman, including no, this one. Rich people hang out with rich people. Rich people love to. But you're forgetting like w w cute women that talk themselves into the sure. right situations end might, up attaching themselves to these rich. They might men. like to talk to her, but just but not necessarily like really hang out. You know, there's a certain thing. Like it's sort of like actors who marry other actors there's a certain thing of like you're in my you're at my class you're in my level and so i'm gonna pay attention i don't to think it works the same way for guys i think that's how the, many hence the term trophy wife tell me one famous person you know who actually married but it's different at, with famous I'm, people okay i'm talking about any, wealthy wealthy a, a wealthy man who married a absolutely different class woman. So I don't know wealthy men, but if I did, <laughs> I probably have dozens of examples. Because, I, I don't think so. I because think it's like it's, you, it's, they it can, see a beautiful can, woman at the party. I think that's the... And that's how they get them because they're wealthy. That's the stereotype. That's, but people tend to marry their class. People want to be. Well, I mean, I'm not uh, certainly they're not going to be driving down the streets and see someone ragged on the street and be like, hey, you. But, but even so the girl class. had to be at the party. So they were... The classes weren't so different that they weren't at the same party, but but the one girl might be just out of college and just starting the thing, and the other dude is a successful doctor who makes you know five hundred grand a year. It, anecdotally, and I've, I, I guess I would have to look at the research if there is any. My experience is, even if we're just sticking to rich, privileged men, they tend to marry uh, at the very least close to their class. Uh, in in the women that they date and the women that they marry. Anyway, so she liked the attention of rich men, 
And she said, my motivation was never money. She said she was power hungry. That's interesting, right? Yeah. The quote was, I was power hungry. What do you think about that? Yeah, I wonder what that was about because she she wanted power to be influential and have this foundation and be able to call the shots. Um, and so, but why? Like, wh- I wonder what it was. Did she feel powerless all her life? That's very curious. Yeah, I think so. I think I mean, there's no way to know. And I'll get into my total speculation in a second, but I think that's an interesting data point. She said she never told anyone she was rich. They just assumed it. That seems unlikely to me, but it's possible. She said, quote, I was never trying to be a socialite. I had dinners, but they were work dinners. I wanted to be taken seriously. So this is a little peek into her personality that she wasn't necessarily, according to her, which we have to take with a grain of salt, she wasn't actually interested in being a socialite because that's the way she's being described. You know, this con artist works her way into the social scene. To her, she was, according to her, she was like, I was never interested in being in the social scene. I was interested in being taken seriously as a businesswoman. Oh, great. Well, this will be a nice, boring movie then because the scenes will be like, oh, I'm just trying to talk to you about my foundation and... And (laughs) it's like, okay, well, then why are you going to Morocco in these, like, Instagram-y kinds of... Why are you flying in on a private plane? Come on. Uh, She also said, this is interesting, quote, I'm not a good person. Okay, fair enough. She's self-aware. That's interesting. So to me, again, hard to say, because I'm reading it in in an article, that there's probably some deep shame you know, someone shamed her growing up yeah. in, in all likelihood. But, I mean, she's being completely contra- contradictory because she's saying, I'm not going to apologize. I don't think I have anything to apologize for. But I'm not a good person, and I do regret some of the things. It's like, come on. Yeah. So I, when you have shame, it leads to self-sabotage. You know, at the baseline, you believe you're not good enough. And it's it's not just something that's kind of there. It's repeatedly going on in your mind. When you, when you are walking around with that level of shame, it's something that is, it's a companion with you everywhere you go. Everything mm-hmm. you do, whenever your brain kind of slows down instantly, you just start thinking like, I'm a piece of shit for whatever thing that you feel ashamed about. Then right. you start to try to defend against that somehow. And there's various different ways you can defend. One way is to drugs and alcohol, and there's various other ways. And another way is you basically start to convince yourself that you're awesome and that you deserve things. Yeah, And you're like, okay, in order to not feel the shame anymore, I need to be cool like those people that are higher than me who, from my perspective, clearly aren't ashamed of anything. You know, Mm. they clearly must go to sleep at night fully, um, you know, satisfied with their lives. You know, I want to be like that. It's sort of like when Anthony Bourdain killed himself. A lot of people are like, well, he had everything. Why would he do that? that whole that whole sentiment is based on this notion that if you're rich and famous you're happy right. and being rich and famous has nothing to do with happy there are people who live off a dollar a day in you know southern mexico and they're blissful every day yeah and happiness has nothing to do with those things i mean certain things like if you have no health care and no food and no shelter certainly but you know when you have the basics and anyway so so she looks at those people that are higher than her, and she's like, okay, that's what I'm going to go for. Well, how am I going to get there? Well, I have to believe that I deserve it. 
And so I'm going to believe I deserve it. But it's a thin defense right below that very thin, thin membrane of like, I deserve it. I'm going to, I'm going to do this thing is just this sea of shame. And, but she acts from that defense and that's what she, that's what she puts out there. And eventually that comes crashing down, which, you know, happens to people. And then boom, it's see, I'm not good enough. I'm a terrible person. Boom. Back to the defensive reaction. I'm the best in the world. Surely I'm in prison, but who cares? I'm going to, I'm going to make it big. And so, you know, now she was asked by a reporter, uh, if you would do the same things again. And guess what she said? Yes. Yeah. She said, yes, probably so. But she also laughed, so I don't know what she meant by it. Anyway, so here's my total speculation about her um, progression. Again, everything I have to go off of is just stuff on the internet, and we'll probably know more later when Lena Dunham tells the story. But anyway, so as I think up until the point when she was running out of money in Manhattan, I think she was legit. I think everything she was doing was just regular life. She wanted to get a career in the fashion industry, and I and I think she, you know um, she had big dreams, like a lot of young people did. Yeah, and uh, but she started running out of money, and due to a number of reasons, she didn't think she could achieve her dreams in a normal way. Because there's plenty of people who have big dreams, like I want to have I want to have an exclusive mall. Sure. Well, what? Regular people think is okay. I've got to get. I've got to get an inter- internship job. I've got to start the long game of figuring out venture capitalism, and you know, uh, maybe owning a small shop and then yeah. and then proving Track record, proving myself, build yeah. connections. I'll yeah, just way. you know, by the time I'm fifty, maybe I'll I'll be there. Um, but so for whatever reason, she either wanted to do it too fast, or she didn't think she'd actually ever achieve achieve it. And to be a young woman from Russia, you've got to know that one, you're you're at a deficit because you're a woman yeah. in our society. You're at a deficit because of racism against Russians. Um, one one of the things that um, Americans don't necessarily identify with is that Russians are oppressed in Europe. Like a lot of pe- like British people look down on Russians. Not all of them, obviously. But it, to me, the way that a lot of Western European people talk about Russians and Polish people is the way that Americans talk about Mexicans. It's a similar kind of vibe that I hear them talk mm-hmm. about. And to me, I'm just like, well, aren't you all just white people from Europe? <laughs> you know, but there, there's different classes of white na- nationalities in Europe sure. that we don't, especially out here in Seattle, don't really feel. And so I think there, there could have been an, another part of that. Plus, you know, when she was when she moved to Germany from Russia, she had to learn how to speak German. She, I don't know if she had some kind of complex around that change for her. Right. And of course, ageism. She's young. She looks young. She looks like she could be 14 years old in some pictures. And so maybe that was a thing. I don't know. Um, And she's got to be on the psychopathic spectrum. Sure. So she did, she clearly did in the, by psychopathic spectrum, I mean, someone who, doesn't have the same care about rules of society and doesn't necessarily care about other people's feelings. Doesn't, doesn't, doesn't really mind lying to people as much as other people do. So she doesn't, she doesn't mind breaking the rules. She doesn't seem to have much remorse because for me, like if, if I, cause I've been in situations like this before, I think all of us have where 
someone walks away from a party with the wrong impression of me, even if it's a good impression. Right. Like someone walks, like one example that just popped in my head was back when I didn't have a doctorate and I just had a master's, I was a master's level clinician. Um, I was very good at my job. I wasn't any worse than a, someone with a doctorate, but people would sometimes think I, I was a doctor. So they'd say, mm. oh, Dr. Honda. And sometimes I wouldn't bother with correcting them because it would feel weird to be like, no, 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 wrong, you're wrong. <laughs> it, you know, it's like, I'll just let it go. But it always would bother me because I was like, well, God, you know, that, that person's yeah, now walking. I didn't, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't say anything. So now I'm kind of culpable in this lie. Yeah. And it would really get to me to the point where sometimes I would reach out to them. By the way, you called me doctor. I just want to let you know I'm not a, I don't have a doctor. And you'd be like, uh, okay. Right. Who is this? (laughs) So for for her, she did this over and over and over again and flat out lied to people. And never made those calls. (laughs) And never cared. That's, that's a different kind of a person. Yeah. Um, She's also good at manipulating people and doesn't have problem manipulating people. And she's okay with risk, just like right. Like she she's riding all this stress that would kill someone, you know. Yeah. Imagine I'm, like the stress of I owe like a two hundred thousand dollars in unpaid bills. Yeah. They're coming after me. Yeah, I mean, I know people that when they buy a house in Seattle, fully knowing ninety nine percent sure that the house is going to appreciate anyway, mm-hmm. that. When they sign on that dotted line for that home loan of $400,000, it is massively stressful for them. Oh, yeah. They're just, and for some people, they're like, I can't do it. Uh, Totally. I just, I don't want to be beholden. So for her, again, that risk that a psychopath takes. Now, so I I want to start a new tradition on this podcast, bro. Sweet. We talk, we analyze, they always, the listeners always want us to analyze a lot of psychopaths. Okay. So I want to start working on our own psychology in Seattle a psychopath scale. Oh, our own rating system. Okay. So it's the PSPS. PSPS. The Psychology in Seattle psychopathic scale. Pispis. Pispis is out of 10. So okay. if Charles, Charlie Manson is a 10, mm-hmm. uh, Bill Cosby is 9 or 10, Harvey Weinstein is 9 or 10, 8, eight or 9 or something. Um, and this isn't by behavior because obviously Charlie right. Manson killed people. It's not it's about how many murders or something. But it's, it's, it's the the extent at which you lack remorse and empathy yeah. to do what you did. You know, yeah. what Bill Cosby and Harvey Weinstein did, you have to lack empathy in a big way to yeah. do what you did. Same with Charlie Manson. So what number would we give Anna Delvey? Um, I guess based on what we know... I would go with maybe a seven. Wow. I would not say that. I mean, you're... Well, okay, hold on. Give me an example of a five. Well, so if you're anywhere on the spectrum... Yeah. Like, you and I are probably a two. Okay. Because you and I don't mind breaking society's rules sometimes. We we don't like lying to people. Yeah. We don't like... Um, conning people, obviously, we we're very sorry if we hurt someone's feelings. But when you and I are at a party and no one's talking about anything interesting, we don't mind saying, you know, what do people think about dildos? Right. You know what I mean? Like you and I don't mind breaking those rules, and you have to be slightly psychopathic to do that. Yeah. To be a, a therapist, some people argue you have to be slightly psychopathic because you, it's not within normal social 
mores to be a therapist, to, sure. to ask people very detailed questions. To be a podcaster, you have to be slightly narcissistic, slightly psychopathic. So I would say you and I are like a two. Right. Now, someone that's a five, I would say... Well, like Billy McF... Well, let, well, I don't know. Let's just figure out the scale ourselves. So, well, so you're saying seven. Well, I'm, I'm questioning it because of your reaction. Yeah, because it, se- it seems a lot higher to me. Because to me, a seven oh, go ahead. would be someone who was much more noticeably... I mean, maybe we need to figure out a seven, uh, you know, person. Like, Elizabeth Holmes is higher than Anna Delvey... But For definitely sure. no nowhere near Charlie Manson or Bill Cosby. I don't know about that. Uh, I do. I, well, I think, based on what? Well, the pattern. You know, again, it's all from internet. But she lies without compunction. But again, she lies in a way that is slightly psychopathic. Yeah. But it's not like Bill Cosby lying and saying, "I'm giving you this drink." And I need you to drink it. It's it just has alcohol in it. And I didn't just rape you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like those kinds of lies are because lying in the business world, as we talked about in this Elizabeth, mm-hmm. Elizabeth Holmes episode, is 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 par for the course. Yeah. So, well, but okay, fair enough. But so I see a difference, for example, between the the fire dude and Elizabeth Holmes. Like I would rate him lower than her, right? Because when you see him talking. There is still, like, there's still this semblance of someone that's trying to do okay. Right. Trying to do good, but he just can't help himself. He just, he's got to resort to these big, tall tales. Right. So if you're like Billy McFarlane, which I would say he's probably more like a four or something, that he's psychopathic enough that he he does not mind lying straight up to people's faces. But in the back of his mind, he has a justification, which is, I'll get them the money eventually. Yeah. So that requires what I would call like a four. And I think that uh, Anna Delvey's like a three or a four. I would put her higher than the McFarlane guy. Oh, would you? Yeah, because even though money-wise it was peanuts, um, it's more like the McFarlane guy has done stuff. He's done business pieces. And so he's not coming at it like, Look, I, I am bluffing from zero to 100. Right. He's bluffs on top of bluffs, but some of those things have worked out. And then, Well, and the fire Festival could have worked yeah. if he had better advisors. Yes, and if he had listened more. And yeah. stuff. Whereas she really was lying completely, forging documents, all these kind of things. Right. But they're okay. close. So maybe if he's a four, I'd give her a five. Then well, maybe then I'd, I'd downgrade her from a seven. Be, I want to give room in the upper ranges because to me... There's a lot of people who are not Bill Cosby and Charlie Manson who are pretty bad. And and right. I and I want to do that because I I wanted to the reason why I even came up with this as I was thinking about Anna Delvey was that the the word psychopath will be thrown around a lot give, with her name. Yeah. And what I want to educate people about is that okay, she did some psychopathic things, but on the scale of psychopathy, she's actually kind of low. Sure. Now, it gets weird when we're talking about the behaviors that get you there. Now, yeah. maybe in the future we'll see her exhibit more, cru- you know, um, cruel behavior towards other people. Maybe we'll right. start learning that she would pluck out the eyes of her hamsters when she was a kid. Yeah. Maybe we'll learn from her close friends that she was vindictive and would try to harm them. 
you know, that's something like, like with um, Elizabeth Holmes, when people got in her way, reportedly, allegedly, she would engage in massive bullying campaigns with yes. them where she would try to scare them yep. with almost like physically. Yeah, yeah. And people were scared for their careers and kind of their lives at some point with right. Elizabeth Holmes. Whereas with Fire Festival guy and Anna Delvey, no that one, didn't happen. No so one it's more would like, that. Yeah, it might go four for him, five for Anna Delvey, and like six or seven for Elizabeth Holmes. Okay. Now, I will say, I don't think Bill Cosby can be, like, I think, there. okay, for example, if we were considering all the other aspects of psychopathy, like, Bill Cosby was extremely successful in many aspects of his life. He had, quote-unquote, normal relationships with a lot of other people and things like this. Uh, whereas, like, Manson is a train wreck through and through. Like, no normal relationships. Complete, like, you know, so there's got to be some gap between them still. Like, so maybe I'd put eight on Cosby and still ten on Manson or something. Okay, okay. But anyways. I can see that. All right. Um, so, again, to review, I think she when she was starting to run out of money, she has big dreams and she doesn't think she can get there the normal way. And she's on this psychopathic spectrum. And uh, she starts to actually try to figure out, she starts to scheme. And she's not sophisticated or perhaps smart enough to devise a scheme that actually worked. Because a lot yep. of, for every Anna Delvey that makes it into, that goes to prison, there's 99 other Anna Delveys who actually succeed. Well, because, like, absolutely. To, to your point, it was big enough she already lied and defrauded the bank to get $100,000, right? But her plan for $100,000 was clearly non-existent. Right. Well, she got meetings with people. Yeah. And according to some reports, and I, I'm skeptical of it, and I'm sure this will be the version that they'll tell in the, in the story about her, because it's more interesting, is that she was very close to actually getting the deal for the $25 million investment to actually start this thing. Now, it probably would have failed after that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But according to the story, for some people, she was very close. So, well, so she have... spent the $100,000 on things, uh, perhaps enough smart ways to actually get the right meetings with the right people. Yeah. I have direct experience with the kind of person that is very, very close at all times right. to the big one right and that's the one that they're gonna be able to pay me back and pay everyone back right. and they've been this close for years totally it's just around the corner totally so so she starts to she starts to pay attention she starts to experiment and she's like okay i'm gonna make this happen uh the fashion world career that's a dead-end job i gotta i gotta really go for the gusto here and she learns that no one takes you seriously unless you're somebody. Sure. I think I think that's something. If there's any kind of why in the road in the story they tell about her, I think that there's got to be a point where she like goes, oh, mm. in order to get respect, you have to be, quote unquote, somebody. Right. You can't just be a person with a good idea. Right. You can't even necessarily just be rich. You have to be like special. There has to be something I see. special so, like, about you. She might you. have tried floating an idea here or there. And people are like, yeah, everyone's got ideas. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> but if you came in on a private jet and you have a big idea, then it's a different story. Right. And she, she learns to be somebody in our culture. You got to be rich. You got to know the right people. You got to wear the right clothes. And you got to act a certain way. And so she goes on a campaign to kind of 
change herself right. slash trick everybody. And she acts rich by tipping everybody. And she goes to expensive hotels. She goes to expensive restaurants. She, she gets to know the right people. She goes to the right parties. She starts to you know, get to know influential people. Martin right. Shkreli, uh, <laughs> uh, Macaulay Culkin. Yeah. And it starts to work. You know, yeah. that's what's interesting is like she started from nothing right. and actually got into the scene, got meetings with important people, yep. got money. It's, it's working. And she's like, wow, for the first time in my life, I'm getting respect. I'm, I'm, I feel optimistic about the future. And it, you know, it just starts to snowball and it gets out of control. And she thinks, you know, all I have to do is just continue this success. I mean, look at me. I mean, every day she goes to bed going, Anna Delvey, good job. Yeah. You're, you're making it. You're doing right. it. People respect you. They're listening to you. They want to talk to you. Because there was a time there that uh, people were actually seeking her out. You yeah. know what I mean? And she's like, it's working. All I got to do is hold on long enough to get that dream yeah. of mine. And then I, I'll pay everyone back and then some. Yeah. And I'll be... I'll have the power to, you know, I don't care about money. I'm just, I, I just got to get there. By the way, our, our society uh, com- totally glorifies the good-hearted outlaws, right? So uh, take the uh, casino, or sorry, Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. And all that series, right? What are these people? These are con- like career con men trying to defraud millions of dollars, steal, cheat, and all these kinds of things, forgeries, oh, we're going to pretend that we're this, that, that. Oh, awesome, bravo. Oh, but, you know, they, they fooled the casino owner. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, what about the Fast and the Furious? Yeah. Well, oh, these kind-hearted, well, you know, thieves, they steal with their cars, and it's so good. In real life, you have Bonnie and Clyde. Right. Who murdered right. many, many people in cold blood, but... Most Americans loved right. them because they Absolutely. were they were stealing from the banks. Yeah. And Billy the Kid, we glorify all these things, and it's yeah, it, it's a very weird phenomenon. In yeah, I don't really understand it. Right, uh, you would think that these would, like, evolutionarily speaking, you would right. think we'd be like, we cannot possibly glorify any of this because we we don't want this. Right. Who wants someone showing up and defrauding everyone and shooting everyone? In fact, a lot of people are comparing her to Catch Me If You Can. Right. That guy. Which is also glorified, right? Right. Another person who yeah. lied, I think, acted like he was flying airplanes yeah. when he couldn't. Yeah. Put millions of, you know, hundreds of people's yeah. lives in, in danger. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's something about us that just loves that kind of story. And I, and I think that it's... So, you know, mobsters, you and I love, mo- yeah. we love Sopranos. Oh, those guys really outsmarted the cops this time. But it's awful. And it I, is. And so I, I think it's, it's great. Art is art. Entertainment's entertainment. But I want everyone to, when they're, when they're watching the Anna Delva story, you know, played by Jennifer Lawrence, make sure that you are watching it knowing that you are being told a particular version or spin or colorful nature of a story about someone who lied. Lying is wrong. Nobody should be lying. There are very few instances where lying are, where, where, where lying is neutral or even a good thing. Yeah, like if, if you're asked whether you ate from the apple of uh, knowledge of good and evil, say no. Yeah. That's the one time you should lie. Because <laughs> uh, we'd still be living in Eden. Yes. So, 
she lied. She cheated. And whatever she got out of it, uh, she didn't deserve. And so many other people start from the bottom and work their way up whatever ladder they're working up without ever lying, without ever cheating, without ever manipulating. And no one's making fancy movies about those people. Nope. Now, I think the other reason why we like stories like this, which I haven't mentioned, is is what? That we like the bad person stories? Yeah. Because we want to live that life too or something. What else, though? What's the other reason? Uh, I mean, it's, it's, inter- it's more interesting than uh, something where nothing happened. Schadenfreude. Sure. We love- oh, I see, I see. We want people to try to go for the moon and fail miserably because that's not us. Right. So we enjoy the ride up because yeah. we can identify with them. Right. And then as soon as they go over the cliff, we distance ourselves from them and go, ha, 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 you deserve. That's what you get. I mean, you, you made your bed. Yeah. And that's not me. So Anna Delvey has all that kind of stuff. Final word on Anna Delvey, Bruno. Well, I think that I'm going to, uh, I'm going to feel pretty awkward watching whatever they make about her because uh, now I'm feeling like I'm exploiting our own uh, culture. I, I think... It is sad, though, and having related to some of the things that she went through, uh, it is sad that so many of us feel that we have to pretend or we have to be or we have to overspend or or actually damage our own finances or damage our own reputation or whatever just because we feel that that's the only way to be happy and fit in. Um, And I wish it was really a lot more about just – you know, what, what you contribute honestly to the society and that that was more praised. And certainly we have venues for that sort of praise, like Reddit every day or two, there's a post that's written, risen to the top of the front page of someone or a group of people who have picked up a shit ton of garbage. Have you seen this on Reddit? No. So I saw, oh, this must be where it comes from. So I've, saw, I've seen things like that on Dig that bubble up like, oh, they uh, just took out all this gar- plastics from the ocean. and Or even just yeah. 10 people went to a beach and uh-huh. picked up a bunch of garbage. And so there are places where you can get positive attention. But uh, because of our culture, we don't pay enough attention to things like that. I actually subscribe to a subreddit that is something like, um, happy news or something like yeah. uh, nice things that people do in the world because the vast majority of things that people do are good. The vast majority of things that people do are at the very least neutral, if not, if not positive, very few people do. And of the things that those few people do that are bad, very few of the things they actually do are bad. Yeah. And yet we focus so much on the bad <laughs> Yeah, you know, I wish there was like little sweepstakes or I guess sweepstakes not the right thing. Imagine if uh, instead of the lottery, right, there was something like the lottery, but where uh, every time you reach some amount of time following the rules, not lying and saving money, you get a nice bonus, you know, just for that. That's all you got to do. You don't have to save the world, cure cancer, nothing. you just showed up to society and, and did your part. Sure, wealth distribution. Exactly, redistribution. <laughs> well, well, that has. Well, that ha- is the final part of a podcast recording <laughs> for a organization called Psychology in Seattle. Thanks for joining us out there. Please attend to yourself because you deserve it. <laughs> <laughs>